a few of my favorite things that I learned from the movies. Hell, damn, ass, shit, fuck, shithead, asshole, goddamn shit-eating bitch-ass motherfucker. That's right, I'm talking about profanity. Few things can get a point across like a well-placed swear word. Everything from a comedic punchline to a horrific threat is so much better with cursing. Hollywood knows this and have peppered films with colorful language for generations. But how did this come to be? When did cinema get such a filthy fucking mouth? On today's Slums of Film History, we'll explore the origins of profanity in movies. Everything from, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn, to shut your fucking face, uncle fucker, and beyond. So have a seat, get comfortable, and enjoy a nice cup of shut the fuck up for profanity here on Slums of Film History. This is Slums of Film History, a lowbrow look into the high art of cinema. Every episode is an in-depth look into a niche topic of film that is not normally discussed in polite company. I'm Slate. And I'm Tom. In each episode, each one of us researches our respective topic, writes an episode, and then schools the other. We discuss everything from bodily fluids to TNA to exploding heads. If there's a film subject that's too taboo, we haven't found it yet. Welcome. Hi, Slate. Hi, Tom. How the fuck are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Oh, that's good. I yeah. just want to note, before we get started, we're about 10 seconds into this episode, and I'm going to call it, this is already my favorite episode. Okay, good. Good to know. You had something to say? So this is episode 10, and one of the great things about this series now is that we're starting to listen to people's comments in real time. Yeah. So before we recorded a whole bunch of episodes, we put them out there and we didn't really know if anyone was ever going to listen. And now we actually have a fan base that we're gathering. It's amazing. And they have a lot of questions for us. Um, yeah. So instead of just telling them when they ask me in person at work, I'm going to tell them on air. And the number one question is, how is this process done? especially when it comes to writing the episodes. Um, it's long. I feel longer than it probably should be. <laughs> and definitely longer than I thought it would be when we started doing this. Right. Yeah, that was one of the things that I originally slated, no pun intended, huh. a week to write an episode, and we lowballed that a little bit. We lowballed it a lot. There's Yeah. yeah. Well, number one, we do all this for you, the listener, because we care. But no, it's a lot, or like my favorite term I like to use, a shit ton of research that I didn't think would require this much, but it does apparently. So Right. So for me, it takes me about three weeks to write an episode. I usually am writing two at a time, but if I start one and then a half of another one, it's a it's a three-week process for writing one episode. It's yeah. about 10, 10 pages of research. And we do it a little bit differently. I write every word of it and then just kind of deliver it to you on a conversational thing. You're a little bit more. Mine's all on post-it notes and they're all around the room. And I just uh, write it on toilet paper. Doesn't No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, we're you're a little more structured than I am. Yeah, yeah. That's just the, the way that we do it. So yeah, anyway, just so to answer the question, it's a lot of research. <laughs> yeah, a lot of research. So again, we do that for you uh, because we love you, our listening public, whatever. 
Yeah. So, all right. Well, on to the episode because again, like I said, I call it. Um, I love this episode because I love profanity. I also fucking love it. <laughs> I fucking love profanity. Before we start it, before we get into all this nice, colorful language, and also for those of you at work, feel free to turn up the volume really loud on your work computer when you're listening to this episode because uh, I know your coworkers will want to hear all of this. So, But let me set some parameters before we start because when I talk about profanity in film, there's some things I'm leaving out. For instance, I'm not talking about any racial slurs or any derogatory comments against anybody from race or gender or sexual orientation. I'm not interested in where those words came from. That's not part of this. That's not going to happen. Also, culturally specific curse words, and I, I'm going to use the UK as an example, like bloody and bugger. Like bugger. Like and bloody. Don't doesn't mean, bugger me. Don't mean shit to American audiences. <laughs> so I stuck to universal curse words, you know, the classics that we all can enjoy. So that's what I'm interested in. That's what I researched. That's what we'll be talking about. And you'll hear plenty of that. So Great. And you may actually hear the infamous C word. We're going to put the C word in here? I don't know if we are or not. I, I didn't really research that much, but it may pop up, so be ready. <laughs> All right. So let's start at the beginning. We always start way in the past. And I'm going to start with vaudeville. Well, first of all, I'm going to define vaudeville for our listeners. For those who don't know, vaudeville is basically a variety show, mm-hmm. for more or less. It was a, a live performance. A live variety show. Variety show. And it started, from what I saw in my research, around the 1860s, seemed to be when vaudeville really started mm-hmm. taking off. But you would see everything, every type of performance. You would see, like, contortionists. You would see people that were, like, fire breathers. You know, you'd see freak show shit, weird stuff. But you'd also see... Yeah, ventriloquists. Um, yeah, people and... who were acting out Shakespeare. Yeah. Or, you know, singing performances. They just threw it all together. Tap dancing and shit. Yeah. And there were different types of vaudeville. One particular type of popular vaudeville type of show, burlesque shows. Mm-hmm. And those were more raunchy. They had strippers. And a lot of times they had comedians come on. They were, were tasteful strippers. They were. I mean, for the time, for now, they yeah. were tasteful, but they were quite provocative then. And, and the places, the show houses where burlesque shows were performed had, you know, liquor and smoking, a lot of vices there. And then comedians would come on and do their shtick, and they would use a lot of lewd jokes and profanity. Mm-hmm. And so that was part of the show. But as time went on, and I'd say about the 1880s, a lot of the vaudeville and especially some of those burlesque uh, venues were trying to get more legitimized. And so they would you know, allow children and women to come in. So they would tone down a lot of the acts. And the reason I bring all this up is because one of the things they started bringing in to get more of a legitimate audience and to, to be a little more highbrow is they started bringing in the cinematograph, which I talk about in a previous episode. Is this different from the Zoopraxiscope? Yes, it's the actual commercial version of the Zoopraxiscope. But the early, it's the transition between Zoopraxiscope and what we know now as movie projector. Great. And so they'd bring them into vaudeville shows, and somebody would like I don't know juggle some shit, and then they'd put like a sheet up, and then they would show films at these shows as like transitional thing. And so the films were considered a gimmick at the time. You know, mm-hmm. there was like just like any other passing fad, and a lot of highbrow people. You know, I say highbrow, but you know, a higher crust of society were interested in these, so they brought in you know all this money, and so they toned down the language. But then a lot of these vaudeville performers would start appearing in film, and some of these were from the burlesque days, so sure. they would bring their profanity with them, mm-hmm. and it would transition to the screen. So moving on from vaudeville, let's talk about silent films, and we refer to silent films throughout various podcasts because they're very important to a lot of different subjects that we're discussing but one thing that i learned was that profanity was part of silent films from the get-go really yes which you wouldn't think about it but as because they're silent because there's that 
All right, so for those of you who are unfamiliar with silent films, well, first of all, shame on you. You should fucking see a silent film because they're awesome. We talked about Charlie Chaplin films. But the way that they would work, early movies didn't have any sound. It was just the film. And they would have people act out, but those people would talk. And then they would show what is known as an end title, which is that title card you see that has writing on it that would kind of explain parts of the dialogue. Or it would say, you know, two people are talking, you don't hear what they say, and then the title card comes in, the end title, rather. And, and it then would they say, had live what, music played at the theaters when you when they showed it. Right, and that's where you got the sound from. And the, those people playing, the bands that would play the live music at the theater also do the sound effects. Like if somebody fell down, they'd hit a cymbal. Right. The only way you knew what was happening besides how people acting it out is you would see the end title with the words on it. But the people were still actually talking to one another in the film. You just couldn't hear them. Well, a lot of times they would be cussing at each other and swearing at each other. Because, of course, you don't know what they're saying, so they were, like, fucking with each other. Right, and I guess they'd be in the scene, and they would, you know, just start cursing at each other. And, of course, that never made it to the end title. You know, so it would be like if I'm talking to you, I'd be like, what the fuck's your fucking problem? And then the end title would come on, and it'd be like, what's the big idea, buddy? You know, whatever. So that's how that would work. And probably the earliest example that I found where there was noticeable uh, profanity was a movie called The Habit of Happiness, and that's from 1916. And it's American silent comedy. It stars Douglas Fairbanks mm-hmm. as a guy named Sonny Wiggins, I guess is the character name. Sonny Wiggins. Sonny Wiggins. I guess the movie's about this guy that goes around, he believes in eternal optimism, so he goes around and tries to make people laugh. I, I, whatever. 1916. Okay. The plot is, I guess he's from a wealthy family, and he ends up inviting these homeless people to his house to, for his daughter's coming out party. That's I don't nice. know why that matters. So, there's a part in the movie where he goes to Skid Row, actual Skid Row, and there's real homeless people in this movie, and he's trying to make them laugh. And so the shtick that he uses to make them laugh didn't work whatever his jokes were they were kind of mild and so they didn't give a shit so he started telling some really raunchy dirty jokes to get the reaction on film okay and it worked they laughed and thought it was funny but him telling the joke was also on film you just couldn't hear what he said and they left it in the film of course but there's a huge backlash because lip readers and people that were hard of hearing could see what he was saying. And so there was a lot of complaints and he had to refilm some of those scenes that had him talking about it. So yeah, people who could read lips could tell what he was saying. And so anybody else who couldn't had no idea what was going on. And of course the end titles didn't reflect that. Right. So you're saying that the earliest cussing in movies was not actually heard. No, but it was seen. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. The next significant example was a war movie called What Price Glory from 1926, directed by Raoul Walsh. And it's a war drama. And there's these two main actors, and they're always antagonizing each other in the movie. And there's this one scene where they're really cursing at each other. You know, they're arguing. Mm -hmm. And they clearly say fuck and a bunch of other words. And again, that was cut into the movie as silent profanity. And of course, deaf moviegoers and people hard of hearing were shocked and outraged that this was in that movie. And so they they would call the studio and they would complain. And it was a bigger movie. It was at the time, too. Uh, Moving on from that, there's a movie called Hula from 1927. Hula. Hula. And that stars Clara Bow. We've talked about her before. Hula also, as far as I can tell, the first female nude scene from a A-list actress. We talked about that. So although I couldn't find any other controversy surrounding it besides the fact that it was a nude scene, what I noticed when I saw the clip was she clearly says fuck at the end of this her nude scene. Like at the beginning, I mentioned this before, but at the beginning of the movie, while the title sequence is coming up, Claire's naked, she's swimming, and this like she pulls a flower with her foot because she's in like this little pond, and there's a bee on it, and she freaks out, and she starts splashing around. At the very end of it, she's like, fuck. Hmm. Clearly. I'm going to look it up. I meant to show it to you, but... Yeah, so she says fuck, and I'm going to call it and say that as far as I can tell, that's the first time 
a big actress said the word fuck on a movie. I don't know if that's true. It was a silent movie. Yeah, again, these are I'm talking about silent movies that it's not heard, but if you look at it, she clearly says fuck. Okay, we'll put it on the website. Awesome. So we're going to move on to the talkies, movies that actually had sound, and that was around 1929, I guess, is when the sound started hitting movies. Mm -hmm. So the first example that I found that had profanity that was a talkie was a movie called Glorifying the American Girl, and that's from 1929. Okay. I don't have what exactly was said. I think a few dams were in there, but another thing to note was it was a musical. It was a musical comedy. And it also had some other pre-Haze Code shenanigans, like really uh, skimpy outfits, you know, kind of cleavage, and like skin-tight flesh suits that made people look like they were kind of naked. So it was kind of edgy at the time, and it had uh, some profanity in there. That was worth noting. But probably the biggest film to note as far as an early talkie movie that had uh, some pretty colorful language was Hell's Angels, which was a Howard Hughes-produced film yeah, from 1930. huge, giant. Yeah. Th- this That was like his opus. It's called Hell's Angels. It's called that Hell's Angels. Bad, that's a bad word. Yes, it was a bad word. And just to point out, it has like an amazing fighting scene in this. I think people died making this movie, but it's amazing. Well, you know, he remade shit. it too. Like yeah. it, he made it the first time, and it was it was such a huge thing when he did it and then by the time the film was done talkies had already existed and this was a silent film so he had to go back and like remake and that's what i bring that up see it it was originally he began filming as a silent film and then of course the jazz singer came out first major talkie movie and so he was like oh shit i gotta take advantage of this phenomenon and so yeah he refilmed scenes i think he kept some of the silent stuff that didn't require dialogue well he had to dump an actress i I think his leading actress had a really heavy accent so he had to recast her and that was gene harlow yeah so oh shit right yeah Actually, what's interesting is that there's some early color footage in there, and there's some color footage in there, and that's the and with Gene Harlow in it, that's her only color footage that she was ever hmm. in. Yeah, fun fact. The platinum blonde, yeah. Of course, notable language in this movie, there was a son of a bitch, probably the first time you heard that. Mm. Goddamn, for Christ's sake. Oh. Ass in hell. Heavens, I'm blushing. I know, it's so risque. Mm-hmm. But at the time it was... But, you know, that was the natural language. It was a war movie, war as hell, hell's angels. So, you know, the Hays Code wasn't really happening yet, but it was a very edgy movie with that kind of colorful language. Yeah, and it was a huge hit. It was a huge hit. It's actually pretty good. Like I said, especially some of the the flying scenes are incredible. And then I found out people died making it. But I could see why, because there's some crazy shit. Yeah, movie. we'll put it on the website. It's uh, it's free online. It is free online. It's great. So let's move to Dam. I'm going to talk about Dam. Okay. Because Dam, you know, that was a swear word back in the 30s. And, of course, it was most famously used by Clark Gable and Gone with the Wind. Frankly, Scarlet, I don't give a damn. And most people think that that was the first time it was ever used. I thought it was. It's not. Oh? No, no, it's not even close. Oh. I have a whole list of movies that did it first. Mm-hmm. Well, including Hell's Angels, but there's a movie called The Big Trail from 1930, used it. The 39 Steps from 1935 used it. Is that Hitchcock? Yes. Mm -hmm. Blessed Event, 1932. A Man Without a Country, 1937. A Holiday, 1938. And then, of course, Gone with the Wind in 1939, most famously used it with Clark Gable. But Gone with the Wind was not the first Academy Award winning movie that won Best Picture that used Damn. Really? No, the first one was Calvacade from 1933. Calvacade, yeah. So there you go. A lot of people think that, hey, Clark Gable did it first. He did it best and mm-hmm. most memorable. Right. But no, plenty of movies had used damn before that. You heard it here. You heard it here first. So moving on. So we've talked about the Hayes Code 
all the time. All the fucking time. It is your favorite thing to talk about. And we've beaten it to death as it should be beaten to death. We're going to continue to beat it to death. We're going to, right, (laughs) as it deserves to be beaten to death. But just when language was getting colorful, you know, it was getting good in the 30s, they started yanking, they yanked that shit away. And that's just a damn shame. I was looking at the actual Hays Code provisions. Mm -hmm. And so I have it here. It was number five, profanity. Under the Hays Code, this is what it says, the paragraph. It says, pointed profanity. This includes words, God, Lord, Jesus, Christ, unless used reverently. Uh And, of course, hell, S-O-B, son of a bitch, damn, and God, G-A-W-D. You can't say that. I don't know what that is. You can't say God. God. You can't say God. Oh, God. That's bullshit. Lame. Or every other profane or vulgar expression, however used, is forbidden. So you can't say so shit did, so or they, anything. But they didn't list out bad words. No, because, because that, because that yeah. wouldn't make any sense. No. They're so. like, don't say these words that we're saying. Right. Yeah. So goddamn, that sucks. You know? That's stupid. I know. It's bullshit. But profanity comes back in a big way once we get to the 60s. So, sure. so through the golden age, there wasn't a lot of... There was, there was like hardly none. None, you yeah. know. But once the Hays Code goes away, then the 60s come... It actually takes writers a little bit to say, hey, we can say all types of shit now because we have a rating system, so we can pretty much curse all we want. Sure. But writers would get the idea, and they would say, okay, well, let's add some colorful language to this movie to give it a little more realism. And you started seeing more realistic portrayals in the 60s and more, you know, some actual genuine dialogue that wasn't stagey. Sure. And the first film to say shit, so I'm going to talk about shit for a little bit. Everybody likes shit. So the first film, at least the mainstream film, that talked about shit was actually bullshit, and it was In Cold Blood from 1967. Hmm. In Cold Blood was the... It was based off the Truman Capote book, and it was about the two guys that went to the farmhouse and killed all these people and went on the run, and they got caught and got executed. The book was a big deal, and the movie was a big deal, too. It starred Robert Blake and whoever else. I forgot who else. And then Philip Seymour Hoffman went on to win an Oscar for the the portrayal... Of Truman Capote. Right. Right. Uh, Anyway, so that was the first time that bullshit was uttered and the line was on what $43 and a smile and bullshit mm, risque so, risque and it was considered M for mature because it was before we had the, the modern rating system so that was PG that was basically a PG movie it basically I guess but it became R as we got into the rating system we know now oh, it so did? now it's okay. an R rated movie oh really yeah because you can say shit in a PG movie. Yes, you can. I, I think, think you can say it one time. No, you could say it a couple times. It's the 70s, there's a lot of shits in, in movies. Okay. And there were PG-rated films. PG-rated films. Okay. But I want to talk about fuck, because mm-hmm. fuck is the worst word that you can say. Uh-huh. No, it's my favorite. I caught your reference, by I'm, the way. I'm, I'm South sure. Park. Yeah. I know. And we talk about that. So, yeah, I want to talk about fuck, because everybody loves fuck. Well, interestingly enough, the first time audiences heard it wasn't on in the movies at all. Okay. It was actually on TV. TV beat the movies verbally saying fuck where audiences heard it. Really? Yep. This was on November 13th, 1965. Mm-hmm. And it was on BBC Three. Of course it was in the, the UK. Brits, yeah. It was the Brits. It was on a show called The Week That Was. Mm-hmm. It was an old show that was on. It was a Kenneth Tynan. Tynan or Tynan? I don't know. He was the first person to utter fuck on the air, as far as I can find. And he was an Oxford-educated theater critic. He was a writer for, I know he did articles for New York Times, and he did for British publications like the Evening Standard. So he was a respected voice in theater criticism. Sure. He also, at the time, was the literary manager for Laurence Olivier's National Theater. Okay. So he was on the show. The topic of censorship came up. And the host, whose name is Rob Robinson, asked Kenneth if censorship was abolished, whether he would sanction a national theater production that featured sexual intercourse. 
So basically, would you allow fucking to be in a production? Mm -hmm. And his reply, which is great and very British, he said, Oh, I think so, certainly. I doubt if there are any rational people to whom the word fuck would be particularly diabolical, revolting, or totally forbidden. Hmm. I looked for video for this and I couldn't find it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of the week that was video, but I couldn't find this. So was this live? This was live. This was live. Okay. And being that it was British, the host was like, just kept going with it. Right. You know, didn't do anything. And I guess they were acting like it was no big deal and they, you know, had tea and whatever Brits do and they ended it. Mm -hmm. Had tea, right. But then what happened... There's a huge fucking firestorm after this, mm-hmm. right? So everybody complained, and they were saying that Kenneth Tynan should be fired from the, the theater, and he should be going to jail, and everybody was complaining. Right. Be- is the reason why people complain about everything is because kids? Is because I don't they're know like, why. a kid think, heard it and got... I don't know. I feel like that's always everyone's excuse for everything. It's like, a kid Think of the children, like, Think of the children. Yeah, I yeah so... I don't care about Think the of the kids. fucking children. I don't care. Yeah, so I don't either. <laughs> BBC issued this big apology uh, because people were complaining. And actually, he sort of issued an apology, but basically, it was backhand apology. He, he was like, I'm said, sorry, you're stupid. Kind of. He right, just yeah. said... That's my favorite type of apology. I know. Yeah, he said, well, I was, I didn't want to insult your intelligence by not saying the word. You're all adults, basically. It was basically... He said, fuck you right. to them yeah, in response. I, those and are my favorite that. types of apologies. So, yes. Yeah. So, the Brits said fuck first interesting but they also said fuck first in movies too mm-hmm. that i could find because you know god save the queen mm-hmm. and so the first one was a movie adaptation for the book ulysses mm-hmm. and this was in 1967 the second one came out three months later called i'll never forget what's his name okay and <laughs> i just got it it took me a second yeah it mm-hmm. stars oliver reed orson welles mm-hmm. marianne faithful and it was only spoken once it was by marianne faithful and it was uh, get out of here you fucking bastard Wow, that okay, so she so went for it. She did go yeah. for it. One thing to note with Marianne Faithfull's exclamation, I get out of here, you fucking bastard, or at least when it was sent to the film commission to get its rating, they wanted to cut it out, but as a compromise, they have a horn blaring in the background to sort of offset it. So she still says the line, but there's a horn in the background that obscures it a little bit, so they still got to say fuck, but anyway. They softened it. A they bit. softened okay. it a little bit, but it's, it was still there. So let's talk about 1968 back here. In the New World. Okay, Mm -hmm. so the Brits did it. Good for them. They said, fuck. Let's talk about bullshit again. So the first movie I found that actually uses bullshit or shit Mm -hmm. in American cinema is the movie Bullet. Steve McQueen says bullshit. So, And that was, I think, the first one that used bullshit here uh, on these shores. Now, the first American big movie that used fuck, the holy grail of swear words, is the 1970 movie M.A.S.H. Fog I see visions of the things to be. Mash was the first movie to say fuck that I found. In, yes, yeah, okay. from 19. It's a Robert Altman film. Now, for those of you who go, what the fuck am I talking about? Mash used to be a movie before it was a long-running TV show. Right. Some people don't realize that, but yeah, it was a Robert Altman-directed film. It started Donald Sutherland and Elliot Gould, I think, was mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. It was a war movie. It was a it was, Korean war movie. Yeah. yeah, or it took place in Korea. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Mash said fuck. Wow, interesting. Yeah, there you go. And of course, this is the '70s, and throughout the '70s, movies 
used more naturalistic dialogue, so a lot of films use profanity more often. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk about another first in profanity that was very provocative and very shocking. Even though it didn't use a lot of profanity, it was still considered shocking. And the movie I'm talking about is The Exorcist from 1973. Oh, yeah, that's right. And there's only a few instances, but it's really crude. And the reason that it was shocking is because a little girl who's possessed by Satan says all types of terrible shit. She says, a little girl, Linda Blair says, your mother sucks cocks in hell. (laughs) Yes. Like, that's (laughs) Your mother sucks cocks in hell. Like, (laughs) that's a little girl said that. Like, I remember being like, ooh. Fucking bastard! Fuck me! Fuck me! Kick your cock up her ass, you motherfucking worthless cocksucker. Your mother sucks cocks in hell. Yeah, this is fucked up. I mean, it's it's well used for the few times it's used. Yeah. So yeah, and that was provocative. The, probably the first time a child said filthy fucking shit on screen yeah. was with that movie, especially an American movie. Yeah, wow. You know, if you don't have a lot of profanity, at least use what you have well. And they did. Yeah. Little girl profanity. Yeah, you gotta love it. Not the last time there'd be little girl profanity, but definitely, I think, the first. Mm-hmm. You asked me about movies that could say shit, that were PG. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you barely remember the 70s, but there were some movies that came out. One example that was a, a kind of a kid movie that had kids swearing was Bad News Bears, starring Walter Matthau <laughs> from 1976. And yeah. had Jackie Earl Haley. You know, he was cussing up a storm and he had a motorcycle and he said shit a lot and I think he said goddamn a few times I think he smoked he was like a little the bad kid but it's yeah it's funny though like when kids say swear words it's funnier it's than when adults say it like I, Goonies is one of my favorite movies of all time and like it's funny when they say swear words I feel yeah. like kids don't do that anymore no not in movies anymore so much unless it's an R-rated movie and probably the, the closest example today was Kick-Ass when you had Chloe Mortens saying you know alright you cunts first time I used it today mm-hmm. and some other she C-word. says fuck I right. said it C word count one count one and but she says fuck and all this stuff a lot so mm-hmm. but that's an R-rated movie what's interesting is in the 70s a lot of PG and in the 80s it was fine for kids to swear as long as they didn't say fuck but even there's a change there in the 80s that I want to bring up 16 Candles starring Molly Ringwald oh, yeah. both has a, the use of fuck and has nudity in it. Yeah, it's a boob. I remember boobs. Boobs and almost, uh, you know, so a little bit of butt. Yeah. And yeah, she Molly Ringwald says fuck. Don't give me that pouty look of yours. You can eat your carrots when you get home. That's it? You don't have anything else to say to me today? What would you like me to say, Sam? Come on now, honey. You're going to miss the bus. Have a good day. I can't believe this. They fucking forgot my birthday. Yeah, and it's PG movie. Eighties teens were were cooler than uh, than the the, the t- what do we call this now? The twenty the twenty tens. Yeah, they were cooler. Stupid. They need somebody needs to come up with a better name for it. Well, yeah, definitely, I agree. It, yeah, they the were tougher. Aughts, I don't know. Yeah, they were tougher. And they were tougher, and people weren't so afraid of cussing. Still, you couldn't say fuck in a sexual connotation. You could, you know, you could say, "Oh fuck, I ran over something." That's you, right. In a PG thirteen movie, you can say fuck if it's not sexually you can't say i just fucked a girl you can but you can say oh fuck there's a girl oh, right exactly <laughs> right or you can, like i think that. you can say fuck you but you can't say i'm going to fuck you right right okay, well done yeah yeah that's good good example all right and speaking of the 80s we're going to move on to the 80s now from here on out there's plenty of cussing in movies I'm, i talked about firsts so I could sit there and name a bunch of movies that have uh, particularly interesting swearing, but I think we touched on all of those. But I want to talk about performances or, care, or actors now that are defined by profanity. And this starts in the 80s, I think. 
The first one I want to talk about, and what I think is probably the most important, and I know there's other examples, but I think this stresses this point, or at least illuminates this point, is Arlie Emery from Stanley Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket. Okay, sure, yeah. The reason I talk about him... Oh, right. He was the drill instructor. He was the drill instructor from Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> he has the best one-liners. He has... They're wonderful one-liners. He, It's amazing profanity. Did he say Mary Jane Rottencrotch? He said that. That's the funniest thing yep. I've ever heard. And, <laughs> and the whole skull fuck you thing. Right, right. He's great with profanity. Yeah. And so I bring him up... Well, number one, I mean, it stood the test of time. Mm-hmm. People quote that. I joined the Army, because I used to be in the Army, and I joined the Army after Full Metal Jacket came out. Okay. And here's where life imitates art, imitates life. Mm-hmm. So, well, let me back up. Arlie Emery used to be a drill instructor. He's a Marine drill instructor originally. Oh, really? That's where he pulled all of this. He trained soldiers to, he, to he, go to the Vietnam War. So is he, he the first? He's, he's what is your major malfunction? Yeah. Okay, got it. I'm sure some of it was written out because it's a Stanley Kubrick movie, mm-hmm. so, you know, he's pretty much a stickler. But a lot of that dialogue was written by Arlie Emery. Sure. Based on shit he used to say the fuck with recruits. Right. Being a real drill instructor, he pulled all of that stuff from that experience. When I joined the Army years later, drill instructors use that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. They, they use the same shit. And they yell at you and they curse at you in these really colorful ways. Yeah, well, not everyone's a good writer. So sometimes you have to... Life imitates art, imitates life. But what what's interesting, if you hear the, the clip, and I'm going to put it on here so people can hear it, is that it's both frightening and hilarious. Like, it's funny as shit. Yeah, but also I'm glad he's not yelling it at me. Right, exactly. I'm scared of him. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm frightened me. by him. He <laughs> frightened me. Is that you, John Wayne? Is this me? Who said that? Who the fuck said that? Who's the slimy little communist shit twinkle toad cocksucker down here who just signed his own death warrant? Nobody, huh? The very fucking godmother said, I'm fucking standing. I will PT you all until you fucking die. I'll PT you until your assholes are sucking buttermilk. Was it you, you scroungy little fuck, huh? Sir, no, sir. You little piece of shit, you look like a fucking worm. I bet it was you. Sir, no, sir. Sir, I said it, sir. Well, no shit. What have we got here? A fucking comedian, private joker. I admire your honesty. Hell, I like you. You can come over to my house and fuck my sister. You know, it didn't frighten me as much when I was actually in basic training because it, I knew it from the movie. And I'm like, right. you're just quoting a movie. Right. Like, write your own material, I didn't guys. tell them that because I didn't want to have to do push-ups they, forever. they kick you, yeah. Right, so... That's what they do in the army, right? They kick you? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you really know that in stuff the, really well. In my world, that's what, that's happens. what happens. When you do something wrong, they just kick just, you. Yeah. They do that at work now, mostly. Yeah. But anyway, so it's frightening and hilarious, but it's definitely memorable. Let's talk about awards for that, because he got nom- he didn't get nominated for an Oscar, but he got nominated, I think, for a Golden Globe. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think he might have won a Golden Globe. And the foundation of his whole career is based off of that performance and the fact that he, I mean, his language is amazing. And yeah. so anytime you see him in a movie, there's certain little callbacks that you, you'll see from that. What I think I hear you saying is that his performance would not have been a performance without swearing. Yes, If he clearly. had just used PG language, then it would that not would be have as been nothing. Right. right. Got it. Arlie Emery's performance in Full Metal Jacket, I think, is a good example of the first time a person's performance really stood out with the use of profanity mm-hmm. and became memorable because of how he used that profanity. But there's an example, there's a person that I want to bring up whose whole Hollywood persona as an actor is based off profanity. Mm-hmm. Specifically the word motherfucker. I think I know who you're talking about. I think about. you do too. And that would be... Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson pretty much invented motherfucker. Yeah. 
He or, invented that. That word did not exist before him. It might have actually existed. He perfected it. Right. He sure. made I motherfucker mean, yeah. better. It was okay before. It's gold now that Samuel L. Jackson says it. Agreed. And I think the best way that that's represented is in the movie Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. which made him a star based on the fact that, well, he could be very threatening and hilarious just by using motherfucker. Right. What does Marcellus Wallace look like? What? What country are you from? What? what? What ain't no country I ever heard of. They speak English in what? What? English, motherfucker, do you speak it? Yes. Then you know what I'm saying. Yes. Describe what Marcellus Wallace looks like. What? Say what again. Say what again. I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. <laughs> oh, oh, you ready to blow? Yeah, I'm ready to blow. Well, I'm a mushroom cloud laying motherfucker, motherfucker. Every time my fingers touch brain, I'm super fly TNT. I'm the guns of the Navarone. In fact, what the fuck am I doing in the back? You the motherfucker should be on brain detail. So that performance got him a Golden Globe nomination and a Best Supporting Oscar nomination. Correct. He didn't win either one, although I think he deserved to win. Yep. Hands down. Motherfucker paved the way for his career to go- to come. Agreed. There are so many movies he's been in since then where he uses the word motherfucker and, well, mm-hmm. that, yeah, he, he has a cottage industry on motherfucker. To put all this in perspective, we need to talk about Snakes on a Plane. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so Snakes on a Plane came out in 2006. Before the movie was even released, it became sort of a cult hit. Yep. Uh, at least the term, Snakes on a Plane. When it was announced that this movie was coming out, and it was starring Samuel L. Jackson, who was, I guess, slumming in a B-movie. for. Well, you know, this was the time when Samuel L. Jackson didn't say no to anything. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was in every fucking movie. And Snakes on a Plane was going to, they were going to change the name, but everybody adopted Snakes on a Plane. People made memes about it and made songs about it. And it just it blew up on the internet. Well, it's you know, an exploitation the news. film. I mean, right. it, was, it was such a gimmick of exploitation. Right, you know? so. One of the things that I remember about it was the marketing of the film. You could call and give them a phone number and Samuel L. Jackson would call you on the phone. Oh, I didn't know that. And like deliver a message to you That's that, of excellent. course, was swear riddled and, you know, was hilarious. It was That's such wonderful. a funny thing to do is have Samuel L. Jackson call you on the phone and swear at you. Wow, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. That's great, though. It, originally, it was going to be a PG-13 teen. I think they were going to change the name from Snakes on a Plane. But fans grabbed onto this movie and they're like, no, keep the, the title the same. Don't make it PG-13 because it's got Samuel L. Jackson. He needs to swear. So actually, some fans came up with the line, I'm tired of these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane, which wasn't even part of the movie. But because people associated motherfucker with Sam Jackson, they th- said, well, shit, if he's going to be in this movie, he's got to say something motherfucking something. Yeah. So you're saying fans did this? Fans created, I'm tired of these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. Be- like before they shot the movie? It was probably while they were filming because they went back in and actually added this line oh, of dialogue. Okay. And they added more scenes of, they made like it when R. Like snake bit that lady on the boob. Right. So they were like, well, shit, we need to embrace the the, the B-movie aspect of this and do some exploitation. They, and had have, a sh- they had a shitty script and they were like, all right, what can we do to fix this? Yeah. And fans were demanding this and they're like, let's jump on this buzz. We can make a B-movie hit. You know, fuck it. Samuel That's Jackson, you're right. Why that. do why do we have Sam Jackson's movie without saying motherfucker? Yeah. So they went back and they filmed, and of course they filmed the classic line. Yeah. I have had it with these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. There you have it. Well, good. Because the Snakes on a Plane is a, is a fine film, I think. It's a good movie. And actually, the movie didn't become a hit, which is interesting. It's like the anti-Blair Witch Project where internet buzz made that movie a hit. 
internet buzz, it looked like this movie was going to be a hit based on catering to the internet buzz, mm-hmm. and it, it wasn't really much of a hit. I, I mean, I think that you you can actually see that they probably could have turned it up to 11, and it was about an 8. They should have gone just insane right. with it, and then it would have been a cold class. I mean, it's, it's not a bad movie. I'm not, yeah. I don't, but... Again, that's the power of Samuel L. Jackson's motherfucker. Mm-hmm. You know, people want to it hear turns him say it from a four to an eight. Right, and and there you go. All right, so moving on, I want to talk about some other notable performances that didn't include profanity. I'm not going to talk about a lot, but just because some of these actors that I mentioned use profanity to good effect. My favorite is Ben Kingsley from Sexy Beast from 2000. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it? No. I, rem- I remember when it came out, and I remember being like, I should see that, and then I never did. Okay, it's worth seeing. Mm-hmm. I'll have to let you borrow it. I haven't. But, okay, so it's Ben Kingsley. He's played Gandhi. He played the, the accountant from Schindler's List, very mm-hmm. nebbish character. He's known as that. In this movie, he plays an asshole, a mob enforcer guy that goes to convince this dude who retired from, like he was a burglar, he retired in Spain with his wife and his house, and Ben Kingsley shows up in, to make him get back into the game for one last job. I thought it was a gambling movie. No, 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 no. It's about, it about like a safe cracker or something and ben kingsley is the most profane like it's amazing Mm -hmm. and he's a highbrow oscar-winning actor and he and he earned an oscar nomination for this movie oh really he didn't win okay he deserved to win i've never seen ben kingsley like that and profanity was a big part of that frightening persona problem fucking problem no mate no no fucking problem with the plane, cunt. Fucking plane was fine. Fucking plane was all right. Fucking plane was perfect. It's you. You're the problem. You're the fucking problem. You fucking Dr. White, onking, jam, rag, arking, spunk, bubble, I'm telling you, H. You keep looking at me, I'm going to put you in the fucking ground, I Dave, promise you. Dave. Not this time, girl. Not this time. Not this fucking time. No! No, 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 no! 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 Not this fucking time! No fucking way! No fucking way! No fucking way! No fucking way! You made me look a right cunt! Another notable one was actually Tom Cruise from uh, Tropic Thunder. Oh, yeah. He didn't get any nomination for it, but it was definitely a memorable performance yeah. and it helped it turn a, around. It was a different side of Tom Cruise. I feel like that was around the time or right after the time that he did the whole Oprah couch thing. And I think yeah. that role at least kind of got him a lot of goodwill. Right. You know, he dressed up in the fat suit and looked didn't look like Tom Cruise and just was like profane. Uh-huh. That was, was kind of the next phase of Tom Cruise. That, and, that and it worked. People, it was great. People liked him again. Yeah. I would say that profanity can really change your career. Mm-hmm. It can really turn things around for you. Did you ever see Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? Yeah, back in the 80s. Okay. So John Candy and, um, and Steve, Steve Martin. Martin. Yeah. There's a scene in there that is just nothing but fuck uh-huh. from Steve Martin. Yeah. And then this has a notable uh, consolation prize. It's a great scene. Where yeah. he's trying to get a rental car and he wants the fucking rental car oh, right now. Oh, that's right. He's now. like, I want the fucking and the fucking and the fucking. He says it's, it like over and over it's again. It's great. I remember that was a movie that I had to watch at someone else's house because I wasn't allowed to see it when I was a kid. So another performance enhancer too. Mm-hmm. And this is an interesting case that deals with the rating system because we've talked about this before where movies get an R rating based on arbitrary shit like swearing. Sure. The King's Speech from 2010. Yeah. Yeah, it's got an R rating because he has some one swear scene. words. Yeah. It's one, and it's hilarious. And it's a great scene. It's a great I scene. Mean, it's... And it's, yeah, it's a wonderful scene. There's nothing offensive in this movie. Right. Even that scene is hilarious. I can't imagine my, even my grandmother would find that a problem with that scene. Well, my mother would think that's funny. Yeah. Right. But it's a scene, if you haven't seen the movie, well, first of all, go see the fucking movie. It's a yeah, great movie. And second, it's just a very short scene where he, the speech therapist gets him to talk and swear. And so he just kind of rants and swears and says bugger and fuck. And it's great. Fuck, 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 fuck. Yeah. And it's wonderful. Yeah. 
vulgar but fluent. You don't stammer when you swear. No, bugger off. Is that the best you can do? Well, bloody bugger to you, you beastly bastard. Oh, a public school prig could do better than that. Shit. Shit, 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 shit. Shit, 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 Yes. Shit. Defecation flows trippingly from the tongue. Because I'm angry. Do you know the F word? Fornication? Oh, Bertie. Fuck. 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 Fucking fuck. Fuck. Fucking bugger. Bugger, bugger, buggity, 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 fuck. Fuck ass. Yes. Balls, balls, fucking shit. You see, not a hesitation. Willy, willy, shit and fuck and tits. That's the scene that got an R rating. And I think they even released it after the movie had gotten its Oscars and they were trying to expand it in the theaters. They cut that scene out to get a PG-13 rating, but, I mean, why? They did. I mean, you know, Oscar campaigns are a a beast, you know? And it had to make money. So they did what they did to get it to make some money. That is just another scene and a great performance. But again, profanity enhanced the performance. Yeah, agreed. So again, we could talk all day about performances with profanity. I mean, profanity is great. I fucking love it. I agree. And it can really make a performance. I don't care what anybody says. It's it's fucking wonderful. I mean, I love a sturdy R-rated film. I do too. You know, I I feel like as an adult, I can go see that if I want. And I like a real filled out, like nudity, plenty of profanity R-rated film. No, yeah, I do too. I love it. And, you know, there's some auteurs that use it very well. Quentin Tarantino yep. is a great use. Martin Scorsese, which I, I was just about, about to say, Martin, Martin Scorsese, Scorsese is, a, is, a, is a very good user. You know, I, I do feel like, I don't really notice it. I don't really notice profanity as either. much, and especially in a Scorsese film. You know, sometimes it's kind of like, all right, everyone, calm down. <laughs> right, it can you be know. overused, but in a Scorsese film, I don't notice. Yeah. Now I want to switch gears because I do want to talk about which movies have used the most profanity. I know I know a couple. Okay, and I'm going to go through the, just the top five. But one thing to note before that is all these movies came out within the last 20 years in the top five. Okay. Which okay. is interesting because we're allowed to use profanity for the last 50 years after the Hayes Code. But it's really in the last 20 when filmmakers are really starting to add profanity. It's, it's getting more and more and more in these films to where one day they're just going to say fuck, 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 fuck. The whole movie is just going to be fuck. It's going to be fuck, the movie. Are you going to let me guess any of them? Well, okay. Guess the filmmaker who has two in the top five. And it's not Scorsese. It is? I didn't say that. Yes, it is. It's Scorsese. <laughs> Martin Scorsese has two films in the top five that I found. I was going to say Spike Lee. Okay. Well, Spike Lee has one. All right. So let me go through the list. The list that I have right now. It's not all profanity. It's mostly fuck. But I think... You, yeah, sure. I cross-check some lists. Nobody you know. cares about hell and damn anymore. That's right, I know. Not, that's so not we'll talk about yeah. fuck. So movie Alpha Dog from 2007 oh, is the yeah. number five. My best friend Justin 367 Timberlake. fuck count. Yeah, and it's 118 minutes, so uses per minute, Mm 3.11, 3.11. Casino is the fourth one, and that's Scorsese, 1995, 422, Mm and a 178-minute movie, that's 2.4 uses per minute. I saw that with my parents, and I remember being, you really notice when you watch a movie with your parents. Yeah, how much swearing there is, and nudity as well. A movie called Nil by Mouth is the third one, and that's from 1997, 428 fuck count. Sounds British. I think it is. And a 128-minute movie, it's uses per minute, 3.34 uses per minute. Hmm. Summer of Sam was number two. Yeah. And that is from 1999, 435 fuck count. Yeah. 
142 minute movie, so it's uses per minute, 3.06 uses per minute. Almost got an NC-17 rating because yes. of language. Yeah. yeah, and then the number one, Wolf of Wall Street That's, from yeah, 2013, yeah. just two years ago, broke the record, 569 fuck count. On 569 fuck count. This doesn't include all the other profanity. There's actually a video, and I think I'm gonna put it on the site, that it just cut the profanity. It's just yeah. insane. Well, the, the movie's cranny. like a three hour movie anyway. Yeah, it's, so. it is a three hour movie, and so it's 3.16 uses per minute. It's just funny that, like, Martin Scorsese is, like, an old man. He's an and old he's man. he's like, just keep saying fuck, and now, like, keep saying say it over and over, and now have Jonah Hill masturbate. And it's like, you're an old man. You're an old man. Yeah. But, yeah. Good that, for him. And just a side note, South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut from 1999. At, at the time, and I think it still holds this record, won the Guinness Book of World Records in 2001 that had the most profanity of any animated film. Animated film, right. Right. Sure. And so it contained a total of 399 swear words. The use of fuck is only 146 times, so kind of mm-hmm. low on the overall meter, but it is an animated film. And I mean, it's a well, musical with songs yeah, that I mean, they fuck. Had, they had Shut music. your fucking face, Uncle Fucker. Right, they is had where that came musical from. numbers written around profanity. And the movie is all about profanity in movies. Yes. It's, it's very meta because it's about a movie the kids go see that is R, that isn't supposed to be for children, but they see it anyway, and parents get all in an uproar because these kids are watching movies with profanity, and the next thing you know, Satan and Saddam Hussein are going to take over the world. Right, but it's then South Park. South Park, it's the movie about itself. It's about itself because right. that's what happened. Kids went and saw this and movie, an and it's already yeah. a movie with profanity. It's, it was brilliant. If you haven't seen it, you need to see it because it's, the musical numbers are awesome, and you can. it's the precursor for basically Book of Mormon. You can see where they really cut their teeth with yeah. good musical numbers. <laughs> Step one. Step one. Step one. Step one. Step one. Step Step one. Step one. Step And that was something that The Simpsons, you know, which is kind of the precursor to South Park, has never been able to do. South Park is so good with a musical number, and and adding the profanity to it was just kind of like saying, fuck you, Simpsons, we're doing our own thing over here. Yeah, exactly. And so this is pretty much where I'm going to leave this topic. Fuck, man. There's, you know, fuck. Fuck fuck it. Where the fuck do we go from here? I think going forward, there's going to be even more fucks in a movie. Mm -hmm. Somebody's going to break the Wolf of Wall Street record, and we're going to have even more profanity. What's interesting to me is, okay, Wolf of Wall Street was rated R. Mm Mm-hmm. So I feel like barely, she, but yeah. barely. I mean, but it had a lot more sex and stuff, and you know, snorting cocaine off of someone's ass or whatever. Mm-hmm. They, so I think it was more for that. But I feel like once you get past a certain amount of profanity, it, it doesn't matter anymore. Right. Like, like once you reach the R-rated edge, and if that's all you have, then you mm-hmm. can just have profanity all day. So I mean, God knows how much profanity we're gonna have in movies and fuck especially and i love it i don't care used well again profanity is wonderful so yeah i mean i will say that like the the reason why profanity exists in the first place is when you want to make a point using a profane word makes your point for you so if you're constantly just like saying it all the time then it softens it a little bit if you constantly say it i mean it's like the c word the reason why you say the c word what word is is that so when you say the word cunt it feels really you know when you say it it just digs in yeah Yeah, exactly it's really really just lodges in there so i don't know what the future is going to be but i will say going forward any movie that uses motherfucker should probably have samuel l jackson in it and that's all i've got to say about that except one thing i want to add some of my research for this topic is the book fuck written by rufus lodge Mm -hmm. 
And it's a cute little hardcover book, and it talks about the history of the word fuck and all these uses and things about it. It's cute. It's nice. It's a perfect little coffee table book. You know, you can leave out there when grandma comes over and she can read it or whatever. But anyway, I just wanted to shout out to that because it was a I learned a lot about fuck reading that book. So. Yeah. Also, there's a documentary called Fuck. It is. Rated NC-17 for language. So right. that's, the, uh, that's a movie that did not get an R rating because they said fuck too many times. It's another first that I didn't mention before, but it is worth noting, since you brought it up, that it's the first film with the title fuck that's been widely released anywhere or as wide as NC-17 will sure, be released. Yeah. So anyway, that's pretty much it. I think we got a lot of shit fucking, we, I think we covered we a lot of fucking material today. Of material we got a out of lot this. of yeah. shit out there. So, and Tom, yes, you're a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get the fuck out of here. Thanks for listening to Slums of Film History. You can find us on the web at slumsoffilmhistory.com where you can find links to some of the movies we talked about today as well as Bad Movie Monday, our recommendation for the worst of the worst films every Monday night. Please, please, please fact check us. And if we left something out or got something wrong, let us know in the comment section of each week's topic. We're not professionals, just two friends that love gross movies.